And I wasn't planning to use 17.5 until somebody said it in the uh, <laughs> uh, the press conference yesterday. But, you know, I sure did. I told our players, like, if this doesn't motivate you to practice and prepare, then I don't know what will. Hello and welcome to Always College Football. Today is Tuesday, August 30th. We hope you're enjoying the show wherever it is you're getting the show, whether that's on the ESPN YouTube channel or if you're here with us via the podcast, whether that's on Spotify or an Apple podcast, we really appreciate you joining us. Please like, rate, and subscribe. It helps us out. It helps the show out. And the interactions will help us grow and to continue to get better. Tell your friends too. Word of mouth is big. We're talking about all the games. We're talking about all the teams. We're celebrating college football every single day. I'm Greg McElroy. Along with me, as always, is Mark Kubiak. We have a great game plan in store today as we're going to visit with the head coach of the Fighting Irish. That's right. Marcus Freeman joins the show ahead of the big game against Ohio State. And we're going to give you five games that won't get the hype that they deserve, but they certainly deserve to be talked about. They might be a little bit overshadowed, but I'm telling you why there are five legit games that could go either direction and could be a huge, huge indicator of future success for some of the victors in those games. And I'm going to tell you the best thing I heard yesterday. So without much further ado, let's talk about it. Every college football season, Goodyear knows the importance of winning on the road. The road will always demand confidence, the confidence to handle whatever the journey brings and to perform under tough conditions. And just like the players and the fans of college football, Goodyear is ready. Are you ready for the road? Visit Goodyear.com to find the right Goodyear tires for whatever road you're on this season. Goodyear, more driven. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We're now so thrilled to be joined by the head coach at Notre Dame, Marcus Freeman. He joins us here leading up to one of the biggest games of the college football season. Coach, thanks so much for carving out a little bit of your time so we could talk about this matchup. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Greg. Man, we are so excited for you. And I, look, you know, I've been calling your games for years now. And when you were at Cincinnati, I always said, this guy's a star. This guy's a star. <laughs> Did you ever think, we knew you'd be a head coach. We knew it wouldn't take long. Did you ever think that it was going to be at a place like Notre Dame in your first, <laughs> Ron, in your first adventure as a head coach? Yeah, no, definitely not is the easy answer. Um, you know, I thought when I think about you know, our time that we spent when I was at Cincinnati and, and the aspirations that someday being a head coach were there. Um, I, I really was, you know, thinking about that in terms of at one point, I would love the challenge of being a head coach. And but I never got into this to inspired to say, OK, I got to be the head coach at Notre Dame or Ohio State or something like that. It's just that you worked as hard as you could where you're at. And if the opportunity presents itself, um, definitely take the challenge. And uh who knew it would be here at Notre Dame uh, a year after I was hired as the defensive coordinator, but uh, I'm forever grateful for it. What a, what a great place. And, and we're so happy for you. And, and I know uh, Coach Fickle's happy for you. Everybody that was at Cincinnati that has gotten to know you over the years is just so incredibly happy for you. So uh, let's talk a little bit about what's gone on at Notre Dame since you've taken over. Um, uh, we'll get into the matchup. We'll get into the game. But bigger picture, 
you guys have absolutely been on fire on the recruiting trail. Uh, you can identify with players as, as well as anybody. What's been the message to future recruits that are considering the Fighting Irish? Well, I think one is is you have to take a deep dive into what this university offers young people. And and that's what I like to spend a lot of time showing is, is that, you know, if you want to talk about national championships and NFL development, and, and that's important to a lot of kids we recruit, we, we will and we can. And, and I think we have the evidence to back it up. But what makes the University of Notre Dame different is is the education and the university and what this place will do for you long after you're done playing football. And so I tell our staff, we have to believe that. We have to believe in what this place offers young people and we have to sell it because that's what makes us different. And and I truly believe having the opportunity to come here and and, and maximize your football opportunities and, and maximize who you are as a football player, but also the chance to maximize those academics and, and the, the life after football. Um, it, it truly makes this place second to none. It, it's such a neat place, but not one that I've had the chance to visit since I was a kid. I mean, I went to a Stanford Notre Dame game, uh, you know, a million years ago, and I thought it was just the coolest thing. I, of course, grew up watching Rudy, like all the typical stereotypes about why Notre Dame is such a great destination. But from the outside looking in, what were your impressions of Notre Dame prior to becoming the defensive coordinator last year? Well, I think I, probably similar to you, and I, I've come to I came to one Notre Dame game as a recruit, um, and I thought it was this, this tradition and the history, and, and like you, I watched Rudy, and you heard all these stories, but <laughs> you know they hadn't been relevant, um, you know, in terms of of winning those national championships, and and I thought it was just old, maybe old and traditional, but you know, you get here and you say, okay take a deep dive into this place and really take out football for right now and look at what makes this place so special and look at the admit, uh, admittance race. Look at, you know, the the guy, the people they truly admit into this university. And you'll realize that it, it is it's five star students all over the place. And I tell our players all the time is that you take out athletes, you're getting five star students into this place. And what you have to understand is that's the education that's going to propel you throughout this world. And we have to embrace that because it's not easy. It's difficult. But if you embrace and understand that, hey, this difficult class schedule, the, the rigorous of the academic uh, requirements here, um, what that will do for you in terms of when you're done playing football, because that's a guarantee, Greg, is that at some point you're going to be done playing football. That That is such a guarantee in life. And, and this place will truly open so many doors for you when you're done. No, there's no denying that. And I remember some of my buddies, it's like all my buddies that went to Stanford and Notre Dame, they all had the exact same one-liner to defend their decision to attend the university. It's not a four-year decision. It's a 40-year decision. I would imagine uh, that's one that you've used on the trail at some point or another over the last yeah. several months. We, we've tried to change that to a four for forever. You know what I mean? This is a, you, a, a four years for forever. <laughs> right. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't, at 40 years, it's not like they, you, you disassociate yourself, right? So I guess forever uh, is, is a much better and a more appropriate way of addressing it. Uh, you referenced this program being close, but just slightly on slightly, just a little bit behind that of maybe the top, top, top and being able to win those games in the playoff and, and not having won a national championship in my lifetime since 1988. So what do you think's missing? Like what needs to be done here, not just in 2022, but in years to come in order to finally get over that hump? Because I've quantified for a while coach that this team is actually closer than the final score might indicate in a lot mm -hmm. of their playoff appearances but what is your impression about what needs to be done in order to overcome those hurdles 
Well, I think there's two things that we talk about often is one is that's the talent acquisition. Like we have to continue to recruit against the best teams in the country. And we got to believe that we are getting the best players in the country that fit this place and we can't settle for anything less. And so that's the one way that you're going to immediately be able to enhance your opportunities to win is enhancing your roster and, and getting the best players in the country that fit this place. The second part is continuing to, I say all the time, centralize our culture. And what's that mean is that that we're all in this thing together. You know, it's not a hierarchy. It's a group of of individuals that are coming together for a common goal and that, you know, we're going to be a family. We're going to be able to, to really um, become one. And in terms of the players, the coaches, that we're going to have such an authentic relationship that we're willing to fight for each other when things get really, really hard because it's a real relationship. And and you know what? When we're at, when we're pushing our players to uphold the standards that we have, it's not going to be personal. What's personal is winning and losing. And they have to understand that we're, we're a family and we're in this together. So when we push them, they have to understand that we're doing it to help them, which ultimately is going to help our program. And so if we can continue to recruit those best players in the country to fit this place and continue to centralize our culture and get these guys to choose to love each other and, and sacrifice for each other, I think greatness is really destined for us. All right, let's let's uh, move forward now to these players. I think we've done an amazing job. You've done an amazing job of kind of characterizing where Notre Dame's going, and that's that's an exciting thing for all of us. But uh, I want to know what we're doing right now, this week. <laughs> so um, now that you've taken over, let's let's talk quickly about the offense. We'll get to your defense in a minute. But let's. Uh, I'm an offensive guy. We're going to start there. That's the priority. That's the most important. Um, but when we think about Tommy Reese, and and now you've transitioned to Tyler Buckner at quarterback. How do you anticipate the offense looking different with Buckner under center as compared to some of the guys that have previously held the spot? Well, yeah, I think that if you look at some of the strengths of Tyler Buckner, um, you know, if you look at last year's film, I think we had a, a very uh, a smaller package for him being a true freshman and, and what we asked him to do. Um, he's dynamic with his legs. Um, he has a really strong arm and he's extremely intelligent. And the more time I've been able to spend with him and those quarterbacks, you know, intelligence is so important, you know, to play that position. It, it, it truly is. And this is coming from a guy that has a defensive background. It's the hardest position to play in, in, in football for sure. And, and probably all the sports is the quarterback position. There's so much on your plate and, and everything good or bad gets put on a quarterback's plate, right? If you, if, if, if you, if all of a sudden you, you, there's an incomplete pass, everybody looks at the quarterback, and then all of a sudden as the, the head coach is starting to say, okay, he didn't run his route to the exact depth he's supposed to. Okay, this person didn't convert it when he was supposed to, but everybody's looking at the quarterback. And so, you know, Tyler is, is an extremely talented individual that needs to continue to get these game reps. You know, he's spent – we've had 20 practices in fall camp, and, and he's been in the red jersey. You know, and we know how dynamic he is with his legs, and he showed that last year. Um, but he has—he's done a great job in terms of, of decision making and, and the ability to to hopefully threaten defense with his arms too. How hands-on do you anticipate being on game day with what you're doing offensively? Of course, your expertise and your background, of course, having spent so much time on the defensive side, I know you'll be very hands-on with that side of the ball. But how, how do you an, anticipate handling kind of the give and take with with Coach Reese? and what you guys want to be philosophically offensively. Yeah, you know, what I've been able to do, Greg, is is when I transition to head coach, you know, there's a lot of different ways head coaches can lead. And, and I made the decision after talking to uh, a lot of people that, you know what I'm going to be? I'm going to be a head coach. I'm not going to be the offensive head coach, defensive head coach. And, and 
I've spent a lot of every day I spend time with the defensive staff and every day I spend time with the offensive staff and we watch post practice together at different times. And uh, again, I want to make sure that I'm hands on in everything we do and that I have an exact understanding of what we're doing offensively, what we're doing defensively and special teams. And so um, I've been able to really spend some time with that offensive staff and, and, and spend some time with them in terms of game plan, in terms of, you know, how we want to ID different guys and, hey, how do we want to, you know, take advantage of different things defenses are doing against us. And so, again, I've hired unbelievable coordinators. Obviously, Tommy Reese was here and Al Golden and Brian Mason, our special teams coordinator, to do their job. And uh, I trust them. And that's why they're here. And so I'm going to be a teammate. I'll be there to support them. And, and if I need to, you know, give my input, I will. But I, I plan on, to me, my input's given during the week. You know, on game day, let them do what they do best. And and I look forward to to being there and, and watching and, and being a part of what Tommy Reese and Al Golden and Brian Mason do. When you look at at what Ohio State's going to be defensively, of course, you can watch last year's tape and study the personnel, but there's going to be a different guy calling the shots. Jim Knowles now comes up from Oklahoma State. How do you prepare for the unknown in week one of the season, knowing that it might be a little different from what Jim Knowles has been in the past? Yeah, I think it's a... You, you look at we were fortunate we played Oklahoma State in a bowl game. And so right. we have an idea of schematically what he was at Oklahoma State. But we also know that to me, any great coordinator really tailors his package around his players. And, and that's what I believe in. And so um, I've spent a lot of time kind of just watching their players from last year, not as much the scheme at Ohio State, but what their players, there's some of the strengths and weaknesses of their players. And so um, we're looking at both what they did at Oklahoma State, what they've done, um, you know, some of the players and what their, their, their traits are at Ohio State. And we have to be prepared to make adjustments, just like I'm sure they will be with us. And so um, I think we have a good game game plan. Uh, we feel good about it. You know, we've got three more days of prep, um, but I, I feel really strongly about the game plan we've come up with offensively. Transitioning to the defensive side of the football, everyone's talking, especially after the Rose Bowl performance, about the juggernaut that is Ohio State's offense. You traditionally, maybe not as much moving forward, who knows? I mean, <laughs> but you've been a t guy that wants to play man coverage. That's, that's, that's who you are, but you know that this is obviously a ridiculously talented wide receiver core and a very deadly accurate quarterback that can extend plays with his legs. So how do you balance coverage to kind of make sure that, that CJ Stroud doesn't get too comfortable back there and in too much of a rhythm throwing the football? You're going to, when you got a talented quarterback like CJ Stroud and, and, and those receivers that are, are dynamic, you, you're a fool if you think you're going to play one coverage against them. And the ability right. to mix it up, the ability to do some different things is going to be something we have to do. Um, and I've said this before, Grace, that I still believe in if you can't stop the run, you open up so many different avenues for offenses. Right. And we have to be sure that we can stop the run. But we have to be able to give them different looks defensively in terms of coverage, in terms of our coverages, because you can't play one against the, these talented individuals. And so um, obviously man coverage is a, a comfort of mine, and it, we have to have the ability to play some man coverage, but we can't sit in one or two coverages the entire game. I love uh, the way you just really empower the defensive players, especially out there on the perimeter, man. It feels like guys believe – I mean, every guy on the defensive secondary that plays for you thinks they're Darrell Revis. Like, lockdown, <laughs> I'm shutting this guy down. I don't know how you do it, but there's just some some way about, like, getting the most out of – how do you do that? Because, I mean, obviously not everybody is Darrell Revis, but they go out there believing that they are. And as a result, look at the results that you've gotten over the course of your tenure. 
Yeah, I think it starts with confidence, Greg, is that you have to build confidence into these young people. And it can't be the end of the world when they make a mistake or, you know what, offenses that are that have great players, they, they're going to catch balls, they're going to do some different things, but we never lose confidence in those guys. And then what you do is you got to you got to truly build it in practice. You got to make it so hard in practice and so difficult in practice that when they go out in the game, they have the utmost confidence in the world. And, and that's something that we did we're at Cincinnati and that we're doing here is that we have to make practice so competitive, so tough that, you know what, in the game, they're going to be really comfortable with what they're going to be having to do. Finally, Coach, we'll, we'll get you out of here with this. A lot of people are, are you know, anointing Ohio State. A lot of people are saying that they're an unstoppable force, all these other things. And, and I know you've, even as you had took to the podium yesterday, you said, all right, I'm going to use this. This is some bulletin board material. So what message do you have for those that are saying it's going to be an impossible task to go into Columbus, Ohio, and knock off the Buckeyes? Well, I think for us is, is – as a leader, you always look for opportunities to motivate your guys to practice. And there won't be a lack of motivation for this game. And any competitor knows you go, you, you get a chance to compete against Ohio State or any other great team. If you're the competitors that we have or you've been a part of, you're going to compete. But to me, the greatest challenge is to get them to be motivated to practice at a high level. And so any little bit that I can get to use as motivation to get them to prepare, that's what I'm going to use. And again, I wasn't planning to use 17.5 until somebody said it in the uh, <laughs> uh, the press conference yesterday. But, you know, I sure did. I told our players, like, if this doesn't motivate you to practice and prepare, then I don't know what will. And so we had a really good practice yesterday. And uh, I got a couple hours to kind of figure out what I'm going to use today to turns of to get them to motivate it to practice. But I'm going to use something. Trust me. Did you install some extra speakers out there at practice? Maybe anything special to prepare for the hostility that you're going to get when you run into the horseshoe? Yeah, yeah. Not for me. It's for our team. But, you know, <laughs> it was something, honestly, Greg, that I was watching. We played, Notre Dame played Georgia, I think two years ago. It was that Georgia? Yeah. And yeah. In the fourth quarter, um, we had a false start that really kind of cost us the game as we were trying to go and, and, and mount a uh, touchdown you know, the last drive of the game. And, and it kind of just made me think that we have to start preparing for that in the summer. And I love it because it gets the coaches off the field. We, we make it so loud. We started this in the summer and we did it as we started fall camp. Like I want it so loud that coaches, you can yell and scream all you want. The players are going to be able to hear you get off the field. And so it makes the <laughs> players figure things out for themselves. And as you get ready for this week, obviously you're going to use it during scout periods and stuff. But um, I really love because, yes, it prepares you, obviously, for the environment you're going to go in. But you know what? This game is played and executed by the players. So let's get the coaches out of the way. There's nothing I can think of that would be more fun than running, you know, 110 yard sprints with music blasting so loud that my head hurts. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that, I'm sure that nothing is better than that. That's for sure. Well, I can promise you this, coach. I know you'll have your guys prepared. We're so excited to see you on Saturday night. Best of luck. And we look forward to watching your team compete. Thanks, Greg. Look forward to seeing you soon, brother. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. 
Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, great stuff from Coach Freeman, and that game is going to be phenomenal. I, look, I know everyone's looking at the 17 and a half. If you want to talk about the gambling angle of it, we can get to that down the road when Chris the Bear Felica joins us on Friday. But I can promise you this. I think Notre Dame will come, and I think they'll be ready to play. I, look, I don't know if they'll win the game, but I would be really surprised if that game got real sideways, at least early on in that football game. Coach Freeman's too good a coach. They'll have too good a plan. Staff is too smart. They'll throw some curveballs at Ohio State that I think will make it somewhat difficult on the Buckeyes throughout. All right, now we're going to move into a new segment that we call Gimme 5. All right, Gimme 5. And we're going to do this a couple times a week, but in an effort to get to as many games as humanly possible, and that's our goal, we want to serve the entire college football audience. So our goal is to try to talk about as many matchups as humanly possible. We feel like this is one way to get into it. So this is Gimme 5. These are five under the radar games for this weekend. Let's start on Thursday night. It's Penn State at Purdue. All right, a couple things to look at when it comes to this game. It should be tight. According to Vegas, they think it's going to be tight right now. Penn State, a slight favorite on the road at Purdue. A couple things to look at. Sean Clifford, that's one. All right, where is he at for the Penn State Nittany Lions at quarterback. Because if there's one thing we've learned about Sean Clifford over his career, and Gray's a sixth-year senior, they kind of go offensively as he goes. Now, he's not going to be out there by himself. They have really good weapons at his disposal, whether it's Parker Washington or Mitchell Tinsley. They also have some really good running backs, a couple of freshman backs that we're anxious to see whether or not they're going to be in the mix early on. But this offense is going to kind of go as Sean Clifford goes. And if you watch him really early in the first quarter at times, especially in big games, you can tell he runs a little hot. So just watch those first four or five throws. If he's missing high, that shows you that he's a little bit too amped up. And if those high misses are tipped up, it of course can lead to negative plays for the Penn State offense. So watch that early. The other thing you need to watch too is Penn State's defense now being led by Manny Diaz. He's the defensive coordinator. He's up from being the head coach at Miami. Manny Diaz prides himself on throwing a lot of pressures at the opposing offense. Here's why I would suggest being maybe just the tiniest bit more conservative in week one. Purdue prides themselves on having an elite screen game. What neutralizes pressures? Screens. That and a quick passing attack led by Aiden O'Connell, who's a sixth-year senior, has a great understanding of what Jeff Brom wants this offense to be. So he'll get the ball out quickly and shouldn't be too negatively impacted by the pressures that Manny Diaz might throw out there. So that's game one, Purdue and Penn State. That'll get things kicked off on Thursday night. Let's move to game number two. Another one that's flying a little bit under the radar. Boise State on the road at Oregon State. Now, it's no secret that last year was a disappointing season 
for Boise State. Well, they went seven and five. So it's not like, hey, fire everybody. This is the worst season ever. No, it's just by Boise's standards, it's a far cry from what we've come to expect from them. It was their fewest wins in a season since 1998. And now Andy Avalos coming back for year number two, hopes to get back to the top of the Mountain West. The good news is he's got an excellent quarterback to rely on. Hank Bachmeyer's played a lot of football and had a pretty decent year last year in year one in the new offensive system. Defensively, they have some good players as well. Keep an eye on JL Skinner. This guy's the real deal. So this is definitely a talented Boise State team. Oregon State, conversely, also very talented. Do have to replace some pieces, but Chance Nolan's back at quarterback. We're all assuming that he's going to be the starter. They're going to try to run the football. They were one of the best offensive lines in the country a year ago. Had one of the best rushing attacks in the country a year ago. So you would anticipate Oregon State trying to pick up right where they left off. The problem is for Oregon State, they've lost six consecutive season openers. This might be the most anticipated Oregon State season in a decade, by the way. I've never seen more hype, or at least not in recent history. I haven't seen as much hype for Oregon State in quite a while. Understandably so. They've done a lot of things that you feel pretty good about in Jonathan Smith's tenure so far. Boise State returns a ton of starters. Both teams are going to lean on the ground game. I think both teams have solid quarterback play, if not slightly above solid quarterback play, with Hank Bachmeyer at Boise State. So I think this game could really come down to whether or not Oregon State's offensive line can continue to control the line of scrimmage like they did last year. If they can't, it could be a tough day for the Beavers. Let's get into game number three of our Gimme 5. North Carolina at Appalachian State. We know all about Appalachian State. On this program, we've credited them forever with the style of play that they're going to have. And if you think Kid Brewer Stadium, that's the stadium in Boone, North Carolina, isn't fired up for welcoming the Tar Heels into Boone, you are crazy. This place will be electric in the pregame. It's about a, probably as big a game as they've had since they had Miami, a ranked Miami at their place back in 2016. So this is a massive opportunity for Appalachian State to play against the in-state school that most fans have a tendency to kind of gravitate towards, maybe for basketball season. But either way, North Carolina Cummins comes in with decent expectations this year to be a factor again in the ACC Coastal, assuming they can bounce back. Let's talk about App State first. Chase Bryce returns as the starting quarterback. He threw for over 3,300 yards last year and 27 touchdowns against just 11 interceptions. I think he's solid. I would not say he's a superstar. He's okay and at times has shown to be the tiniest bit of a liability. So if they can affect the quarterback, I'm talking about North Carolina, I think they have a legitimate chance. But they also have to do a pretty good job of neutralizing the run game. This is a really good run game. Noel is one of the best backs in the entire Sun Belt, and he went for 1,100 yards last year. So they're going to have to neutralize this run game and neutralize the line of scrimmage, which will not be easy, especially knowing what I saw last week from North Carolina's defense. It was a... Less than stellar performance, to say the least. All right. They did not execute well. They did not do a good job of tackling in space. And I know it was unique circumstances with weather and rain and all these other excuses for reasons why FAMU is going to be in the game. It shouldn't have been as close as it was. Just saying that. Their offense, I'm not concerned about at all. I think Drake May is going to be the real deal. Maybe not here in week one, but at some point here in the near future, 
we are not going to be missing Sam Howell. It's just my assumption. I think Sam Howell is great, but I think Drake May could be just as good, especially if you look at what Sam Howell did as a true freshman. Maybe Drake May will do something similar here early in his career. You have Amaran Hampton, who I thought really blossomed last weekend, looked good, filling a void at the running back spot. And then I think one of the matchups within the matchup that everyone needs to be paying attention to, and I'm sure NFL talent evaluators will be watching this one as well. We all know Josh Downs, the outstanding wide receiver for North Carolina. Him going up against Stephen Jones Jr., he's the outstanding corner who had five interceptions last year for App State. Those two matched up on the field throughout the course of the game. Great matchup within the matchup. That's the wide receiver against the corner. Both have all-conference potential. Both, if they have great years, might have all-American potential as well. Moving to game number four, Houston at UT San Antonio. How many games in week one, just out of sheer curiosity, how many games in week one involve two teams that combined to win 24 games last year? I don't know the answer. I'm just asking a rhetorical question because both Houston and UTSA went 12-2 and last year. Pretty dang good for two teams that are matching up here in what should be a fairly hostile environment there in San Antonio. These are no love lost between these two teams. Look, when Houston's passing attack gets going, which I, I think that they have a real chance to do that this year, that's under Clayton Toon and a receiving core that is excellent. Nathaniel Dell leads that pack for the most part. I think they got a chance to be really good. Houston last year was really a run-first style of approach, but they lost their starting running back. They're still okay at that spot, but having to replace... Their outstanding back will not be easy. He was torn with an, uh, He was lost with a torn ACL earlier in the spring and likely won't be back at any point this year. So I look at this rushing attack and I think it could be abandoned just ever so slightly towards becoming maybe the littlest bit more of a passing attack. Well, UTSA is rock solid on both the lines of scrimmage, but the secondary is somewhat unproven. This is a group that gave up 260 yards a game through the air last year, and I'm not sure they've seen as much talent at wide receiver as they're going to see this upcoming game against Houston. Yes, they played Western Kentucky. They've played against teams that can throw it all over the yard for sure. That was last year, but this year I think Houston's got a ton of firepower, and if Toon can take the next step as a starting quarterback, I think they have a real chance to be in the mix for the New Year's Six. That's right, the New Year's Six by being the best team in the group of five. Still a lot of things to figure out. Frank Harris is back at quarterback for UTSA. He's a veteran quarterback that won't be phased whatsoever with the pressures that Houston will likely bring at him. This is a great matchup. Right now, Houston's a slight favorite, but this game, I think on paper, a lot of people will say, man, this is a coin flip game with what UTSA has built in the last couple years. Huge game, by the way for UTSA. Much bigger game for UTSA than it is for Houston. Because UTSA, while yes, they had a great year last year, they're not ranked in the top 25. They're not being talked about the way some other teams are being talked about here in the preseason. They've yet to carve out that sliver of credibility about, hey man, watch UTSA. They're always good. You better be ready to play them. But Houston, however, comes in with a top 25 ranking and with some major expectations heading into the season. And finally, the best under-the-radar game, or one of the best, one of the top five best uh, under-the-radar games that we want to get to this year. That's Louisville this week. Not this year. There's plenty of under-the-radar games. These are not the five for the year. These are for the week. Just week one. Louisville at Syracuse. All right. It all starts with Malik Cunningham. Two stars, by the way, offensively 
for Louisville and for Syracuse. We'll get to Syracuse's star, Sean Tucker, in just a minute, but let's start with Malik Cunningham. He's a signature player. This guy was one of the best in college football last year and had bouts of inconsistencies. We know he's a dual threat playmaker, but can he be more consistent throwing the ball down the field? There are occasional long foul balls that come off of Malik Cunningham's throwing arm. But if he can hit a few of those, that could mean the difference in 10, 14 points a game if he hits one or two more deep balls throughout. Look, they have a really solid group of running backs and Scott Satterfield's offense, similar to that of Appalachian State, where he's from, by the way, they want to get off tackle. They want to make life difficult for the opposing defense and force them to play at angles and tackle at angles, which will not be easy, especially going against this talented stable of running backs. Louisville's defensive front might not necessarily be able to hold up against the Syracuse ground and pound style of attack. Not only do they have Sean Tucker, who I think takes a backseat to no one in college football at the running back spot, but they also have Garrett Schrader, who is a powerful runner at quarterback himself. Now, he's not necessarily going to be able to throw it all over the yard and carve you up. And we know that this group really struggled last year against Louisville. But that was probably Louisville's best performance of the year. And I think Garrett Schrader, in addition to a lot of the other pieces on the Syracuse roster, have taken the next step, and they will be far more competitive this year. If you were going to use last year as an indicator of success this year in a similar matchup, look no further than Northwestern and Nebraska. Nebraska destroyed Northwestern last year. Wasn't the case this year, obviously, as Northwestern pulled off the upset. So don't start using last year as a barometer of what might happen in the future. In some cases, sure. But be careful, especially when evaluating this matchup. I think Syracuse will be ready for the test, and Louisville will have to play really well in order to pull off the victory on the road. Those are five games. It's the gimme five for the five under-the-radar games that we're all looking forward to here in week one. I can't wait. I can't wait for us to get underway on Thursday. Look, some coaches, however, are already in midseason form. Just take a peek at some of the press conferences, okay? But here's the best thing I heard yesterday. It comes courtesy of the boss hog. He's Sam Pittman. You know, I think the first couple series are going to be really important to figure out kind of, you know, what they're bringing to the party. You know, some guys bring iced tea and some guys bring liquor. And you just got to figure out what they're bringing. I mean, hey, go go into go into two minute offense. And you'll figure out what kind of party you're going to on the first play. They start hey, come after you. You're going home. Okay, this is what kind of party it's going to be. Or they'll drop eight, and you got to dink and dunk and get down in there. So, all right, I mean, that's great stuff from Sam Pittman. There, uh, what are you bringing to a party? It's a difficult question. It's a difficult question for me. Um, Probably, depending on the time of year, it's TBD. Some combination of the three. Tequila, bourbon, beer. I'm not going to say any specific brands because I'm not going to cut off my nose to spite my face. I appreciate all variations of the aforementioned three liquor categories. Uh, But I don't necessarily know what time of year it's going on. So since we're heading into the fall, but it's still kind of hot, Somewhere right between tequila and whiskey, tequila and bourbon. Not quite cold enough for bourbon season just yet, but that day is coming. As the leaves change, the booze changes. 
And that's when it becomes bourbon season. Everybody, hey, thanks for being with us. We really, really appreciate you. Please like, rate, and subscribe. It helps us out. It doesn't matter where you're getting the content. If it's on ESPN's YouTube channel, if it's on Apple Podcast, or if it's on Spotify, every like, every rating, every subscription really helps us out and it really helps the show out. Interact with us via the comment section on ESPN's YouTube channel. Hit us up in the reviews on the Spotify or on the Apple Podcast account. Tell us where we can get better. Tell us what you like, what you don't like about the show up to this point. We're just getting started. We are in week one. We have so much more to get to here throughout the course of the week. Thanks to Marcus Freeman. Thanks so much for carving out some time. He's got a huge week with the Buckeyes coming up on Saturday night, but he was able to take out 15 minutes to visit with us. That was really special and really appreciate him and everybody at Notre Dame for being able to make that happen. Thanks to Mark Kubiak. For all of us here at Always College Football, I'm Greg McElroy. Hope you have a wonderful day. And remember, It's always college football. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.